0: everyone and welcome back to another episode of NYY Takes, a Pinstripe Perspective podcast. And as always, I have a question to ask Yankees fans, are we happy today? Who wants to kick us off after a rough week in Yankees baseball?
1: I can start. (laughs) I am happy in that I think this might be rock bottom and there may be nowhere to go but up. Okay, This is easily the worst week of the Yankees season so far. I don't think there's even a close competitor for that title. Getting swept on the road in St. Louis, losing two out of three to the Mariners. Things were were bad. They They were about as bad as they've been in a long time this week. So, series opening up in Boston tomorrow. I will be at the Saturday game. So it would be a oh, great nice. opportunity for the Yankees to try to reverse their fortunes, get back on a winning streak. So we'll see. I, I am I'm as sad as anybody, but I'm happy in that I think there's a chance for the team to reverse their fortunes really fast. And, you know, they played like the best team in baseball for the first seventy to eighty games of the year. There's no reason they can't get back to that level.
0: Les, how you feeling? Are you happy?
2: I am not excited right now. It's challenging to be a Yankees fan, but I always appreciate Matthew's takes. He tends to kind of recalibrate the conversation, but you know, it's, it seems like a listless brand of baseball that the Yanks have been playing for the better part of a month now. So, yeah, you know, I'd love to see them go out and turn it around up in Boston. So that would be fantastic. Uh, it's definitely challenging to to be excited about Yankees baseball with the NFL also getting started right now. So it's challenging to maintain a positive focus on Yankee baseball. What do you think, Robert? Yeah,
0: I I wouldn't say I am happy. But I also wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm unhappy, and I feel like I have that answer a lot. But I'm kind of with Matt on this in that This is, in all likelihood, rock bottom. And I think a good place to sort of kick off is that, you know, we need to, we can realize that Anthony Rizzo has been out for a long time. Giancarlo Stanton has been out for a while now. Well, I guess a while being the last week. Haven't had Luis Severino. The team made some trades, you know, they gave away Jordan Montgomery. And as we know from hearing what players had to say, Jordan Montgomery was very well liked in that clubhouse. And they had a tough stretch, right? I mean, you make all those trades at the deadline, and you have some letdown losses to the Mariners. You make the trade, you're down 4-0 to the Mariners, and you battle all the way back, and then you end up losing that game 7-6. Then the next day, your ace, Garrett Cole, is on the mound, who's supposed to be the stopper, supposed to help you out. He gets shelled, gives up six runs in the first inning. And then you travel to St. Louis, a team that is on the rise, their NL Central rivals traded away Josh Hader, and every Brewers fan on earth has no idea what's going on and thinks that they're just folding and giving up, and you have the Cardinals that always seem to stick around, and you run into the Cardinals at a bad time, lose that really winnable game in that first game where Clay Holmes blows the save. You lose another winnable game in the second game where you lose 1-0, Um, And then you have a crazy Sunday game with Frankie Montes on the mound. Frankie Montes doesn't have a great start after not pitching in two weeks. You're up 4-1, and then you're down 6-4, and things just aren't going your way. And then, of course, you go to Seattle. You get the win. That kind of felt like the game that they were definitely going to win the whole time, that first game in Seattle, Logan Gilbert versus Tyone, that rematch. And then you lose back-to-back heartbreakers. You, You go 12, 13 innings with Seattle and you lose a coin flip and then the next day you're up 3-1 in the 7th and you blow the game. So I think the off day today is very important. And I think the Yankees just kind of ran into just like a rough patch as a as a team, you know, things were going so well for such a long time and a lot of things changed on the team. There's kind of a lot of like toxicity around the team. Guys are out, you know, two of your best hitters are injured. One of your best starters is hurt. You trade away Monty, who's, you know, a great starter. And then he, you know, kind of shoves against you on Saturday. So a lot of things that kind of just scream bad vibes happened. That's kind of how I feel about this. So my overall outlook is, you know, could be worse. Still 10 games up. Who
1: cares? Absolutely. And also a lot of one run losses the last uh, few weeks. It's not like the Yankees are suddenly getting blown out of games. They had a ridiculously good and unsustainably good record in one-run games for the first half of the season. And now we're seeing the regression to the mean where they're losing a lot of the one-run games that they were winning before. Definitely. So I don't think that, I certainly don't think, regardless of how happy or sad we are, I think there's a level of sadness with everyone right now because it's never fun to lose games. But I don't think that that should turn into any kind of a sense of panic or a sense that suddenly the team is not as good as they were before. They're still a great team, they're still at the top of the league. They're going to win the division with flying colors. I don't think that anyone should let this ice-cold stretch um, alter their perception of, of the team too much. Because we, we shouldn't extrapolate anything from losing a bunch of close games. Like It's just what happens over the course of a season.
0: I mean, what if this was flipped, right? I mean, what if the Yankees opened up the season, whatever it is, 21 and 21-21, and then go on the tear that they did in the latter half of the season that they did this year in the first half. Baseball's a long season, and the Yankees are a very good example of that. Also, we have to be honest, right? Beginning before the season started, I mean, people were calling for Brian Cashman's head. No one actually thought this team was going to be very good, and then they come out as world beaters, so everyone kind of expects that to continue to some degree throughout the season, but you know, I, I, I think we're all in agreement where it's like this is something that just comes with the territory of a long baseball season and comes with the territory of being a team that locked up the division three months into the season. So there's a lot of stuff in play that goes from how motivated <laughs> are you every day to win in comparison to a team like the Cardinals or a team like the Mariners. You can have a tendency to drag when you know that you're – in the playoffs already. I mean, we even see it with Rizzo. It's they, they squeezed out that extra day off before he could come back because it's like, do these games really matter? <laughs> I mean, they don't, I, I to some degree, they really don't, I, depending on how much you, you value having home field advantage over the Astros in the playoffs, because I think home field advantage throughout the playoffs is now a pipe dream. The Dodgers <laughs> have gone on a ridiculous tear. They have 76 wins and you know, they're doing their thing. So now it's a battle between the Astros and the Yankees. The Astros have not been playing great baseball. They lost to the Rangers yesterday, um, and they've kind of just been up and down. So, you know, at this point, it's like you know you can value home field as much as you want, but at the same time, it's hard to get up every day for this. You traded away a guy that everyone likes. Your best guys are hurt. Off day, regroup in Boston. Matt will. Be, Matt is in the building, so obviously they'll win, um, and and they'll get going again. But I mean. Is there anything else? Is there anything oh well obviously we missed the we haven't spoken about the Matt Carpenter injury. So we have to, yeah, I mean that never even like came up in our in our group text at all. But I mean it kind of in indirectly goes back to our Bader conversation that we had last week that last I know you weren't you weren't here for, but a big part of that conversation is, you know, what do you do? What do you make your playoff lineup against righties in the playoffs? And you know, now if Matt Carpenter's not a part of that, you know, kinda of thank God you have Harrison Bader. Uh, to, to some degree right because now you don't have a crowded a crowded lineup where it's like oh do you have Matt Carpenter just as a pinch hitter off the bench granted Carpenter will probably be back but I think now that he won't be playing for the rest of the year he's probably going to more suitably fit into that pinch hit role off the bench but yeah I mean what what, what were your reactions to the to the Carpenter injury
2: well that's that's a good point and bring up Bader too because there's still a chance that he might not play yeah. the rest of the season too yeah. so you know, even if he does come back at all, how much baseball are we going to get? Like, how do you how do you ramp him up to get ready for a playoff chase? You know, so honestly, the Yankees' best bet might be to sit him down and ride with what they have. Because forcing a guy into a lineup that's not having a particularly good stretch this season, it's like we've talked about, not great offensively for him. So just throwing him into a pennant chase when he's, not really a pennant chase, but throwing him into a, into the playoff hunt when he's not been particularly successful and he is coming off a pretty severe injury, not an optimal situation. But the alternative is uh, Aaron Hicks in center field. But, you know, honestly, I, as much as I despise Aaron Hicks, he's probably the best bet right now in center, judging right, Ben Benintendi in left. So I wouldn't force Bader into the lineup then. And Carpenter is probably a pinch hitter at best going into the playoffs. What do you guys think? I think losing Carp
1: definitely hurts. And just the fact that that story is affected by this is, is tragic because Carp was having yeah. – it, it was, along with, I would say, Trevino and, and Nestor's season, maybe the best story of the year for the Yankees in, in a year that's been full of them. But if, you'll, if you both will just allow me to indulge my irrational fan. Please. Always. Most- we love the irrational fan that you have in you, Matt. Yeah, yeah it, it comes up time to time. It, it, it does. It, it makes itself known. It is pretty hilarious just to look at how the trade deadline has gone so far for the Yankees. Not not to say this, that that the week that's gone by since the deadline is an indication of how successful the moves were, because that would be insane to say that. But it's just really funny how shit has hit the fans since the Yankees made the moves that they did. So they, they missed out. I mean— They missed out on Luis Castillo. We now know that it was never really an option because the Mariners were asking for Volpe, which we knew the Yankees weren't going to do. But nonetheless, they miss out on Luis Castillo. They get Montas instead. They get Benintendi. They trade Gallo. They get Efros. And they trade away Montgomery, obviously. Montgomery comes out and shoves against them. Castillo comes out and shoves against them twice. It beats them twice. Uh, Montas gets shelled. Efros had a role in one of the meltdowns over the weekend. Ben Nteni hasn't hit at all. Joey Gallo has hit and got his first home run in a Dodgers uniform last night as a pinch hitter. Great run. Really, everything, it's been a total Murphy's Law situation. Everything so far has gone about as badly as it could have gone. I don't think it's going to keep up that way. But it really does provide some great fodder for some of the most irrational voices <laughs> on Twitter, different <laughs> arenas of fans. Like, it just... Yes. It's a powder keg, and it's all exploded this week in, a frankly, a really, truly hilarious way.
2: I personally love when Yankee's Twitter melts down like that. Like, the memes are great. People's irrational sides, you know, they get exposed in 280 characters. I personally enjoy Yankee's Twitter when, it's, when the Yanks are playing like a dumpster fire because, you know, how many crazy tweets are you going to read when they're doing really well? You're just going to hear about how awesome they are. I put out 200 great Yankees tweets, but now they're not playing great. And Yankee Twitter is pretty funny to watch.
0: Yeah. Well, the one thing I agree with you for the most part, but the one thing that I thought was so, was so crazy, it was pretty funny. What was so crazy. was, I think it was, it was other. I think it was Wednesday, maybe. uh, Yeah. I think it was yesterday, maybe, maybe Tuesday during the game. But it's like people, I woke up and it turned out that a lot of Yankees Twitter had decided that they were going to wake up and make their goal for that day, getting blocked by IKF on Twitter. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just scrolling through Twitter with people screenshotting Isaiah Connor falefa and then you cannot see this person's tweets or whatever the tweet message is that they blocked you, which is like <laughs> poor IKF. He seems like the nicest guy in the world. And obviously he has struggled this season. You know how I feel about him. I think he's getting way too much flack for compared to actually how bad he's been. I think Yankees fans maybe expected a little bit too much about him about him. Maybe he's been exactly as advertised. But yeah, I mean, that was that was the extent to where it's like, geez, like people are making it a goal for themselves today to get blocked by a by a major league baseball player from their couch. But that's a that's a story for a different day. So, Matt, I think your point about kind of the trade deadline in general was a good segue to get to our ups and downs and I want to start with my up because it has to do with the bullpen that you brought up. So my up this week is Lou Trevino, who is the new Yankees or one of the new Yankees shiny toys that came in that Frankie Montas deal. Now, obviously Montas was the headliner of that deal, but I had written an article basically about Lou Trevino and the Yankees' ability to acquire him at the deadline, and On the surface level, his numbers were very bad. I mean, he had an ERA almost at six, maybe north of six. But about halfway through the season, he started throwing a slider out of pretty much nowhere that nobody could hit. And then on top of that, all of his expected numbers looked fantastic compared to his six ERA or whatever it is. So since he's been a Yankee, He's pitched a combined four innings. He has made five appearances. He has not allowed a run and he has four strikeouts over four innings. The funny part is he has a zero era, but his xFIP FIP is five. So it's a little bit of an inverse of, of what he was before he came where his results have been really good. And maybe some of his expected stuff isn't, isn't as good, but the more, more overarching point being is that that game against Seattle on Wednesday or on Tuesday night, I keep thinking it's Friday for some reason on Tuesday night, was the moment where I realized, you know, despite the Yankees, despite the fact that they've lost a ton of games out of the deadline, that's where I realized this bullpen is really good again, I think. Because the guys that you had coming in every inning were like, oh, like, not a lot of teams can do that. I mean, it's, it's Holmes, then it's Efros, then it's Trevino, even Chapman has been great. And then obviously you have Luizaga, who you know, being the ground ball and play guy that he is, is gonna get beat around sometimes. But I'm still, you know, he's not as good as he was last year, but um, he's still, I think, reliable. So I think the the up is Lou Trevino, but on a on a more wholesome or a more you know whole level, it's it's the bullpen because I think that the Efros and Trevino acquisitions. They really do a good job of lengthening the bullpen. And when it comes to shortening games in the playoffs, especially in that, you know, that weird fourth game where even Tyone might be starting or you have to fill in, it gives you a lot more length to take Tyone out in the third, fourth inning and and bridge your way through that game. So, Luce Trevino is my up of the week. Should we go through everyone's up first and then do downs or everyone do ups and downs? What do you guys think? I say
1: go ahead with your down, Robert. Yeah.
0: Okay, my down of the week is Albert Abreu. Another guy in the Yankees bullpen. But um I'm gonna be honest, pretty sick of watching this guy pitch. He came up. Well, obviously he was DFA'd by the Rangers. Yankees got him back. He was traded for Jose Trevino. Yankees got him back. Always had strike throwing issues. But he was good when he when he started with the Yankees. He was having scoreless outings. He was getting through innings for them. And then over the past few games, the cracks have been showing a little bit. And it's not even that he's been terrible. It's more that I, I, I don't want to see Albert Abreu continue to show up in these high-leverage situations. He's not, to me, a high-leverage pitcher. Fine guy to have in your team. I understand he doesn't have any options left. So your only choice is to DFA him. If you want to add someone else to the roster to pitch, which is fine, but just because the only option is DFAM doesn't mean he needs to be pitching in the tie game in a tie game in the seventh inning or later. Uh, it was cute to begin with. I don't find it cute anymore. So I'm, I'm I'm pretty out on Albert Abreu, but I'm able to understand that he kind of has to stay on the roster because you don't want to just get rid of him out of nowhere. He'd probably be picked up on waivers immediately by a team. So keep him around, but he can pitch. He can pitch in low leverage situations. I don't really need to see him anymore in the high leverage spots. So that is my down of the week. Any any disagreements from my down my up or down?
2: No, those are those are solid. I'm tired of watching Albert Abreu and his this week his ten ERA in <laughs> fifteen minutes of work it seems, but I'm absolutely tired of Albert Abreu as well.
0: Yeah, the tipping point for me was the Seattle game. Where he just came in and gave up a homer, and I was like, all right, I'm pretty over this guy.
1: Yeah. Albert Abreu is such an interesting phenomenon to me. First of all, because he was he was such a stalwart of the system for so long, came over initially in the Brian McCann trade back in 2016, offseason between 16 and 17, and then he was let go by the team after last year, and then he came yeah. back. And even last year, there were moments where he—it really seemed like he was working his way into Cashman's, into Cashman, into Boone's circle of trust. And then he's done it again this year. So clearly, he has a lot of fans in the organization, and they—I mean, they see, I think, what we see, which is a guy that's always had fantastic stuff. The stuff has never been a question mark. It's always yeah. been a, a question of command and control, and that's that's kind of gone in and out the last couple of years. I really feel like Yankees have maximize the possible return from him in a lot of ways where you know he did have stretches last year where he was reliable he did have a good run of appearances earlier this season but i think at a certain point you do have to pull the plug so i'm with you guys i think it's 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 about time to call quits on that experiment
0: i mean i don't even know if, if you have to call quit i mean there's not a ton of value in just like dfaing a guy that you know another team will take and put in their bullpen it's just the question of how you're using him i mean this is someone that was dfa'd by the texas rangers like you don't, he shouldn't be pitching in tie games in the seventh inning or later. It just shouldn't be happening in any in any conceivable world. But anyway, I digress. R- Les, let's get to your ups and downs this week.
2: My my up is an easy one in this challenging week for the Yankees. It's going to be Aaron Judge, two home runs this week. He's ahead of the of Roger Maris's pace, which is awesome. Um, whether or not you think. The single season home run record is legit. At the very least, he's making a run at the American League single season home run record. Um, two home runs, six RBIs, 409 average, 1.325 on base plus slugging. He's 45 home runs. Like he's, you know, if all else fails, you tune in to watch Aaron Judge play. My down is IKF. I'm not one of those guys that made it my goal to get blocked by IKF, but. It's an interesting idea. I'm tired of watching him. I'm blocked <laughs> by Marcus Stroman for some reason. It's I an interesting ever...
0: idea. that's good.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm blocked by Marcus Stroman, and I wouldn't know Marcus <laughs> Stroman if I tripped over Marcus Stroman, but I'm sorry, Marcus Stroman. Whatever I did, I apologize. Um, IKF hit zero six three this week. That's why there are these rampant calls, loud calls for uh, Oswald Barraza to come up to the show. Mm. He's an easy out. I think my 12 year old son can strike out IKF right now. I'm tired of watching him play baseball.
0: You know what's really sad about the IKF thing is that in that game against Seattle on Tuesday, in that extra inning game, on that play where uh, who was pitching? Was it Matt Brash, maybe, was pitching for the Mariners? IKF hit the ball back up on the back up the middle, Brash backhanded it, made some ridiculous play, got Trevino out in between second and third, and then IKF for whatever reason. I understand what he was doing, just a bad decision, running into second, getting tagged, to double play to start the inning. The heartbreaking thing about that is that that should have been a single up the middle to give the Yankees the lead. <laughs> and it turned in, of course, the way the season has gone, it turned into an IKF disaster. And then the, and then the next day, the very next morning practically in Seattle, he has another opportunity, I think, first and third with two outs in like the fourth or fifth inning. It just pops up. It's like as someone that has given IKF a pretty long leash this season, I like was so I was so angry when that happened because I'm like starting to get annoyed with how with how freaking awful he's been. But Did I was blocked you. Yeah, no, I'm not. IKF is too nice of a guy for me to actively. It would take a lot for me to like bully an athlete online. Um, it, would, it, would, it would take a lot uh, because who am I to bully an athlete? Um, so I ask very quickly because this is a conversation that could go on for an entire podcast. Gun to your head right now. You calling up Oswald Peraza. And if you are, what's your corresponding move?
2: Uh bringing up Oswald Peraza, sending Miguel Andujar into the sun.
0: Fair. But then you lose an outfielder, so there's
2: that. They've, that. Been short, they've been playing short and outfielder most of the season with Gallo out there, so I don't know. What else? We got we got Benintendi. Let's get Peraza up. We don't give him an everyday role, but get him a few more at-bats, and we'll see what happens in the spring.
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. I think probably if I had to make a snap judgment right now, I would I would not bring him up. And it's not because I yeah. like IKF at all. I don't. And I didn't like IKF coming into the season. And the reason why, Robert, the reason why his grounder up the middle got speared and, and the reason why he suffers these other sort of um, kind of bad luck type situations is because... Is because he doesn't, he doesn't hit the ball hard? He doesn't <laughs> hit the ball hard. That's that's just what happened. I mean, his spray chart is legitimately the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. It's like I saw someone. I forget who. It might have been Mike Petriello or someone who posted it and commented like the center fielder should just station himself 10 feet behind the second baseman. Yeah, that's really. And that would eliminate all of his hits because they all fall into the no man's land between the outfielders and the infielders like that's not it's not a sustainable offensive profile for a player. So again, not IKF seems like a great guy. I'm never in favor of bullying athletes anywhere. So I don't agree with anyone who's, who's antagonizing the guy, but he's bad. And he's not, he's not a certainly shouldn't be a starter on a major league team. That being said, I don't know that promoting Peraza is going to solve your issue for you. Uh, I, I would need to, you know, I, th- I think it's, it's quite encouraging that Peraza has come on very strong. In terms of his offense in the second half of the year, I think he's certainly on a good trajectory. I think it's impressive that he survived the deadline given that he's on that upward trajectory. but I don't know that you don't want to bring up a guy who's not ready and then have him struggle, lose confidence that that just that doesn't usually work out well, so I think at this very moment, I would say stick with what they have as much as I hate it,
0: yeah, because I agree i don't and it, it it's funny because if because the way the Yankees are looking at it, I think, is the right way, which is we have a 10-game lead. Things are rocky right now, and people want to see Peraza come up and electrify this team and like be the catalyst. But you don't want to make him that. You want to have Peraza be eased into this scenario. Everyone in that Yankees front office knows that IKF is the whipping boy right now. Everyone involved in baseball knows that IKF is the whipping boy right now. Oswald Peraza probably freaking knows that. So if you call up Oswald Peraza, he immediately has every single pair set of eyeballs on him. So you're creating a lot of pressure for a hitter that frankly I don't think is that ready for the major leagues. On the season, he has a a 105 WRC+. I know that the last two months have been a lot better, but his approach still needs a lot of work. He still strikes out 24% of the time. He's only walking 7% of the time. If you scale those to what you know the average is for a Triple A guy going to the major leagues, that K percentage ticks up, you know, to 27, 28, and that walk rate goes down to, you know, four, three, four, five percent. And if he comes up and he struggles, and it's like you rush him, and we, I think we see this with C.J. Abrams this year, who the Padres really rushed up pretty quickly, he looks lost at the plate, and I think it's very detrimental to his development. So I don't know why you would want to call him up when you are 10 games ahead. Your season is basically set. You don't need to cause any more hoopla. You can let this kid develop in AAA and let him continue to rake. Just because you've raked two months in AAA doesn't mean you just go to the majors, especially when you're not that much of an immediate necessity. We can we can handle IKF. We can deal with it. I, I, I think he is a rostered player on this team if they want to win the World Series, as, as crazy as that might sound. I think he's fine enough to stick out there. I think his defensive inabilities have been way overblown, and I think his defense has been better of late. I mean, he made a couple of great plays since we last spoke, so I'm not so worried. And I don't want to put Oswald Peraza in a in a spot where he's looked at as someone that's supposed to electrify this team that like doesn't even need electrifying right now. This team is this team is ready to go, and every move they have made and every move they are currently making is just with eyes on October. So, I'm okay with everything that's happening
2: real quick. you know not to not to talk too much about Oswald Peraza, but you do bring up an interesting point that the Yankees do have a ten game lead. It's not as if that they are in a very obviously they're not in a very competitive divisional race right now. Would that not be a good time to bring Parraza so, up? So yeah, you
0: you, you yeah. could say that's a good time to bring up Peraza, but I think it goes beyond that in the sense that. You're bringing up Peraza now because it feels like this team, this team isn't playing well. Like we said, they're 1-6 over their last seven games, and everyone's crying for him because you need a spark. The Yankees need to figure this out and get going.
2: Well, no, I, I don't – sorry to interrupt, but I don't know if it's so much a spark, but IKF sucks. So, <laughs> like, he's flat-out bubbly hot garbage at the plate, so I think maybe you bring up a rookie and see what he can do because he can't be – he can't possibly be – So much worse than IKF that you know, even if he hits 100 to if he if he hits anything close to what he's hitting right now, he's still better than IKF. That's I don't want to do too much about it, but you know what's the lose? You're 10 games up, IKF clearly stinks. Why not give him a shot for a little bit? And then if he does if he's not great, you don't put him on the postseason roster and you send him back to Scranton. He's got options. You find out what you've got in Peraza, because you know you've got an IKF. Yeah, not I mean, even though hes basically the little leaguer that you that everybody moves in on. Everybody, come on in. Everybody, we've got nine guys on the infield.
0: Completely, I mean, I mean, yeah, that is the argument. Completely fair, fair argument. Um, I just—it's also I'm of the belief that Peraza would be up if he were ready. Um, and I just—I think there's some a good amount of evidence there that he's not. And for what it's worth. FanGraphs steamer projections have IKF being a 92 WRC plus hitter for the rest of the season. <laughs> he's been a 79 WRC plus hitter to this point. But let's what if IKF just finishes the season the way he started the season? Remember in April we were all kind of showing love to IKF? Yeah. That wasn't him. so long ago. So he is a hitter that can, you know, run into some babip luck and and, and be impactful here and there with his glove. Yeah. So I'm fine with it. I don't want to bring up Peraza if he's not ready. I'm fine with Peraza being a part of the team going into next season. Um, but, yeah, let's not get too bogged in Oswald Peraza because, as we know, <laughs> one player can can have you talking for an hour as we learned about Harrison Bader last week. So, <clears throat> um moving, Matt, on. moving on to your up and down of the week.
1: My up this week is Joseph Gallo. I'm, I'm hard to he this one, but he's been, he's, he's been great with it. Since he got there, especially the last couple of games, he's 4 for 15 overall, homer and a double. That evens out to a 120 weighted runs created plus. Had a three run homer, pinch hit home run last night. And my down this is his replacement, Andrew Benintendi, who uh, was touted <laughs> as a guy who would not necessarily be a power hitter, but was going to come and make contact. And he has proceeded to strike out 30% of the time since coming over to the Yankees. He's slashing 200, 273, 333, 74 WRC+. He's only walking, he's walking 9.1% of the time. He has four doubles out of six hits in 33 play appearances. And he's rolling over pretty much everything. He's hitting ground balls in the infield or striking out. Not what you want to see. Not what they brought him here to do and the fact that Gallo is having success now, that he's changed... He's gotten his change of scenery, just makes it hurt all the more. So I don't think anyone thought that Ben was going to hit 300 or 320 all season long, that he was going to keep up that pace that he started with the Royals this year. But I don't think we saw a 30% strikeout guy uh, who was having a tough time elevating the ball at all. That's not what we bargained for. So turn it around, Benny. Turn it around in Boston. That'd be great. If Ben Intendi turns it around in Boston, yeah. Pound year, uh, you know. How about some homers around the pesky pole or something? Yeah, play
0: play some pepper with the monster. Shoot it off the monster like you would against the Yanks all the time back in the day. Um, some silver lining on Benintendi. Uh, he did have that really good game in that first game of the series against Seattle. Um, where he had two hits, two doubles. Uh, since uh, oh, this is such a, I, I feel dirty saying this, but like six for twenty-one in this, or six for twenty-one his last twenty-one plate appearances. So in his last twenty-one plate appearances, he's batting three hundred, three thirty-three OBP, five hundred slug, one thirty six WRC plus three fifty seven Woba. Well, tiniest sample size you could literally ever think of. But maybe things are turning around. I mean, when he came up, it was a disaster. I mean, he was hitless in what, five straight games? Yeah, I mean he was hitless in five straight games, hitless in six of seven. So it started off really bad, but maybe it's turning a corner a little bit. He he's got a hit up until yesterday, he had a hit in he had at least two he. Had, Two hits in two games, one hit in two others, and then one hitless game. So, four out of five games he had a hit. Which you know, maybe he's maybe it took him a while to like figure it out and settle down. You know, who knows? Um, the Joey Gallo thing. So last night, uh, I, I or I saw his post game press conference from last night, and I've never seen a guy look so much less stressed in my life. Joey Gallo's got a tan. He's got his beard back he doesn't have people booing the crap out of him every night in LA because how can you be mad and boo professional athletes in Los Angeles when you can go to the freaking stadium from the beach from surfing all day you go straight to a baseball game so I'm really happy for Joey Gallo it's a very sim- similar situation to Gary Sanchez where I think if Joey Gallo hit like a big home run off the Yankees in the World Series I'd be kind of happy I'd be genuinely happy for this guy he looks so much more relieved already. He looks, you know, visually looks like the Joey Gallo from Texas, slowly but surely. So, wish nothing but the best for him.
2: Definitely.
0: Do you guys hate the, the, the Joey Gallo take about if he hits a homer, you'll be happy? Do you think you would be happy in that moment? You think there would be – let's let's say for, you know, as a hypothetical, Joey Gallo hits, you know, it's like game one, game two in L.A., whatever. Joey Gallo hits a walk-off homer. Are you mad or are you like? Damn, good for you, Joey. I'm
2: pissed, 200% <laughs> pissed. I want to win. That's that. Every each game, one team wins. Is another game the Yankees aren't close to winning? So I would not be excited if he hit a first-inning home run. Great, awesome, good for Joey. Game-winning home run. I'm irate.
1: I'd be I'd be happy for for Gallo. I also think um, that. The difference between this situation and, and Sancho situation, for me, is that my perception was always that the fans were actually pretty supportive of Gallo when he was struggling. I know that there were the boos; there were certainly the boos when he was striking out every single at bat. But you also heard a lot of chants for him, like right up, right up until relatively recently. People really felt it felt like a lot of people were behind him, trying to will him out of the struggles in a way that. I felt like gary never got that the the, the the leash that gallo got from the fans i know the fans on twitter said things and and i feel like always the twitter sample is like the worst of the worst you know you get the really vocal like assholes on twitter but in the stadium i felt like gallo was much better supported when he struggled than, than gary was where you know gary would go through like an over 10 and everyone would be talking about how he was the worst player ever and a lazy, you know, fat sack of shit and whatever. And nobody Yo- ever did that with Gallo.
2: Yeah, that was so weird.
1: You still heard those Joey Gallo chants, you know, this season. And Gallo never had any success this season at all, really. How so much of a cha- Oh, I, Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. I'm, 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 I'm a big, I'm a fan of Joey Gallo. I think he's a great guy. I think that the, the diff there was a, a sort of a gap between the perception of how hard we were on him and how hard we actually were on him.
0: Sense. interesting you know i've been to a lot of yankee games this year booze were definitely loud but i mean aaron hicks also got booed all the time this he gets booed all the time this season and obviously stanton when he was struggling got horrifically booed about like but like you know how much of joey gallo like getting support and like you know people chanting joey gallo or whatever is just because he has a really fun name to say it's a really easy name to chant <laughs> like joey gallo that's very easy it really rolls off the tongue you know does but yeah, I mean, all jokes aside, the fact that Joey was like scared to leave his apartment. "Quote: I don't get out much." It's like I don't know. It, maybe that was a little dramatic. Who knows? Like, how, if you walk out on the streets of Manhattan, there's a lot of people in Manhattan that don't watch baseball.
1: Not sure how many people would be like, "That's Joey Gallo." I also wonder. So I, I read, I read that quote obviously, and I wonder maybe there was additional context that I missed. But I. I wasn't sure that I necessarily extrapolated the same thing from that, that most people seem to, which is that he was scared to go out because of people bully, like, or people harassing him. I thought it might have just more been, like, he didn't want to show his face because of how much he was sucking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that is what it was, yeah. But I... I don't know that it meant that, like, if he was walking down the street, there were people, like berating him although i'm well, sure no, that happened that i'm saying yeah maybe was more like for fear of that
0: you know or he's one of these guys that like walks around and thinks everyone knows who he is and they're all like oh my god that's joey gallo he's like the worst baseball player on earth type thing
1: yeah i guess my my point is that i don't i don't think that we should necessarily and, and if joey gallo hears this and needs feels the need to set the record straight feel free to do so joey but i don't think that that quote necessarily implied that he was being harassed so badly that he couldn't leave his apartment. That wasn't... That yeah, wasn't, no, I
0: don't... Yeah, I actually... I don't think that was the takeaway. But I think it was more like he was so self-aware of how bad he was and how much people, you know, were criticizing him that... I don't think it was like, I don't want to go outside because people have been yelling at me. I think it's more like, I don't want to go outside because I'm ashamed of myself type situation, which is arguably more sad.
1: Uh, it's, it's very sad. And I, and I appreciate like the candor and the honesty. And, yeah. and again, like, all of us reasonable people... Wanted him to succeed right up until the end. We're yeah. all behind him. Like I would have I loved mean, nothing more than for Joey Gallo to put together a, you know, streak of like an Aaron Judgey and streak of home runs in, in consecutive games or whatnot. That would have been awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here telling you, I wouldn't mind if he had a walk off homer against them in the World Series. That's wild. Uh, yeah, last, last, I know, I knew you wouldn't like that one.
2: He gave a first thing home run, but the Yanks win the game.
0: Alright, so I know we usually do our predictions to, to round it out, but because we're on a bit of a weird week here, we're recording on a Thursday, it's later in the week. There's not, you know, we can do the predictions later if we want to, but I, I think a good, you know, it's a good time of the year to start this conversation and we can kind of build on it as we do more of these weekly. Yankees playoff opponents, who you want to play and why compared to another team. So, obviously, this is surface level now. I have I told you guys in the text, this is a surprise. This is an idea that came up 10 minutes before I got in front of this mic, so I have nothing prepared. But we're going to shoot the shit about it. So, the Yankees' potential opponents, most likely opponents, are Seattle, Tampa, and Toronto. And this is first round, obviously. Seattle, Tampa, and Toronto. One of those three. Of those three, who do you want to play the most? Who do you want to play the least? That's
2: a really good question. I think for me personally, I I would not want to play Toronto. Toronto's played them pretty tough all season. They have a lineup that can. They obviously, at that point of the year, they'll have seen them nineteen times. So I I wouldn't be excited about playing Toronto. Tampa. I'm honestly not afraid of T- Tampa. So I, I wouldn't mind playing Tampa or Seattle. You know, first round. So get some revenge on. Seattle for whatever small damage they did this year, but let's say either Tampa or Seattle play for a shot.
1: I really wish I could choose a team from the AL Central. I know that there's no chance that that happens, but that whole division is so bad. I would love to face one of those teams. Of the, of the more likely opponents.
0: And you could do the Twins. I mean, the Twins are an option.
1: Twins are well, theoretically. Yes, I, I, I mean, the Twins aren't really an option, though. If if the Yankees end up with a two seed,
2: yeah. I mean it, it's a little crowded. Only
1: one, only one team from the Central is probably gonna make it, and so they're gonna be the three automatically. Yeah. So it's too bad. Ban divisions. Let's just have a <laughs> yeah. let's just have two leagues and balance schedules. But that's a topic for another time. Of those three likely opponents, I would definitely rather face Tampa. Toronto scares me because I think they're way better than their record. Seattle has, obviously, we've seen the last couple series have kind of had the Yankees' number a lot of nights, and and I do think that's a really good team. I don't think Tampa's a very good team at all. There's not a lot that frightens me about facing them, so I'd definitely choose Tampa.
2: Yeah,
0: I think... um, Oof. You know, it's tough. I, I think the team I... And most okay with seeing is Tampa. I think I agree with you. I think they're this—they're a weaker version of what they've been in past years. They're still good, but there's no—I mean, Tyler Glass now might come back, but there's no Glass now. They do have McClanahan at the top there, but yeah, I mean, they're just—they're just a weaker version of what they were a couple of years ago when they made the World Series and what they were last year and and all that. So I—I I, I think I think Tampa. It's probably the one I'd feel safest with if we were going into a series with them. But yet again, you you really have no idea. Um, I think I'm more scared of Seattle slash Minnesota than I am Toronto. And while I'm scared of Toronto's lineup, and and this could change, you know, this is open to change. But the thing with Toronto that surprises me, and that doesn't surprise me, but but makes me not so worried, is that they don't really have the bullpen to get through a playoff series. And they didn't really make any moves at the deadline to make themselves any scarier in the back of their bullpen. So, I mean, their playoff rotation would be Gosman, Manoa, and Berrios. And then their fourth starter is kind of up for discussion, right? I mean, there's Yusei Kikuchi... And then, you know, they got Zach Pop from the Mariners. But, you know, going through their bullpen list, it's it's nothing crazy. I mean, it's Anthony Bass, Yumi Garcia is good, but is struggling this season. David Phelps, Trevor Richards, Jordan Romano, Trent Thornton, Mitch White. So I think in a war of attrition, the Yankees actually just beat the Blue Jays because the bullpen difference is there. So as it stands right now, I think, I think, you know. Least scared of Tampa, while also not that scared of Toronto, the Mariners are the one I kind of want to avoid, um, because Luis Castillo is really freaking good, and Robbie Ray is also really freaking good, and they have probably the most underrated bullpen in, in baseball, I would say, um, and they have, like, we're just freaking going for a team, I want nothing to do with that team in their first year in the playoffs in 21 years, so right now, that's where my fear stands. Um, but I think throughout the season that'll be an interesting discussion as we see, you know, how these teams kind of evolve over the the remaining the remaining two months. But I think the popular answer is Toronto. Um, but I just question it because you know the, in the playoffs the bullpen is important, and yeah, they can just outslug the the crap out of you. But you know, I think I think the I think the bullpen there is a big red flag. Um, but yeah, anything else there? Any any? Other, I mean. I guess another question would be: Would you rather face like the Twins or the Mariners in the playoffs? Oh, the Twins! Easy. Oh,
1: the Twins! Absolutely. That's not even a contest.
0: I mean, I mean, is it? I, I don't know. I, the twi- the Twins have a good bullpen now. They have they have Fulmer back there, Jorge Lopez, um, whom I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting someone else that's good. Oh, Duran, if that's how you pronounce his name. And then they got um, Tyler Maley at the at the deadline. They have Sonny Gray. And they have a, I mean, they have a pretty good team. They're four um, games
2: over 500. They're a game and a half back in a pretty lousy division. I'm not too worried about
0: it. I mean, you I can try. say what you I want over the course it. of this. You can say what you want over the course of a season, but I mean, uh, the twin uh, the Twins aren't as bad as people want to say. I think. I mean that they they did a really good job improving their bullpen. I mean they have a lot of righties in there that would be a trouble for the Yankees. I think the Yankees can't or, hit Horley Lopez.
1: Homer doesn't
0: scare. That, that, that Yeah, is. yeah. He's been good recently. I mean, I don't think he's anyone that should scare someone. Um, but it's up in the air. I mean, the Mariners, the Mariners looked. I mean, they look like a good team, but I mean, who really knows? They I do. think at the end of the day, the Yankees beat all of these teams. Um, at least I hope. <clears throat> but it's interesting because it's like a lot of the same type of team. Um, I guess we can also do predictions quickly, right? So why we not?
2: Can.
0: So we have. Let's um. Let's just extend it for both series. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll probably we'll probably record on on Tuesday, but yeah. you know, it's it's six against Boston and or six against Boston, three against Boston in Fenway. Matt will be there Saturday night, as we know, um, and then three against Tampa, at home. So, Les, your prediction for the next six games?
2: I am going to say because they've not been great. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say three and three. Hmm. they haven't they haven't done I I I think it's backwards I like I've told you before I can't predict the Red Sox to win so I think they go 3-0 versus the Red Sox who are pretty terrible and honestly I think the Rays could be sneaky good coming up so I, I honestly think that the Rays could could get them at home
0: swept at home by the Rays that would be something
2: even though we've just said how how bad the Rays are this year like I just yeah. don't think the Rays gear up for the Yanks and you know, I don't know the rotation. They got Herman. Are you going to see Cole? You're not going to see Cole on Saturday, right, Matt? Montas. Montas. Yeah, I, I'd say three and three is pretty reasonable. That is crap. I,
1: I am struggling to imagine what Yankees' Twitter would look like if the Yankees swept the Red Sox at Fenway and then got swept by the Rays at home. It would be melt down. Disaster. Like, total would disaster. people's minds just explode? with their brains just, like, totally collapse in on themselves i don't know what people would do it would not be good it would be pretty bad it would be wild i have a five and one though because i i do think the yankees are going to go into boston and win all three of those games and i can't predict them to lose a game that i'm going to be at and i think they'll take two or three from the race i think it's going to be a turnaround stretch for them
0: i agree i'm on the five and one train i think they'll sweep one of these series i'm not going to say which one but they're going to sweep one of them i think um yeah, but I'm with Matt. I think it's a turnaround time. I, I I think the downtime is over. They had their off day. I think Giancarlo is... Is Giancarlo back in Boston?
1: I haven't, I haven't heard anything about it, but I might have missed it.
0: That was like a murmur for a little bit, but I'm not sure how true that is. If that's the case, full steam ahead. Um, I think Montas shoves on Saturday, hopefully. Um, And yeah, I think, I think this little rut they've been in, this is now their second off day since the All-Star break. They're back from the West Coast. They can taste... Going back home on their tongue Monday, um, and they're back east anyway, so I think they'll start turning it around. Any final thoughts? Any any last words before the sign off?
1: I'll send you guys pictures.
0: Yeah, please yes. do.
2: Definitely please upload those do. in the chat.
0: Fenway Park, a great historical landmark, not a very comfortable place to watch a baseball
1: game. It's, it's terrible.
2: That's a, that was Fenway is question. a gimmick. That's my hot take of the after Yeah. What kind of gear are you going to wear to the game? I want to hear about the the, te- the apparel.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'll I'll definitely wear a hat, and I, maybe I'll dig up a shirt too. Who knows. But I've, I've worn all manner of – I mean, I've gone to, at this point, far more games at Fenway than I have at either of the Yankee stadiums. I'm used to yeah. it. It's been my, most of my childhood slash adulthood at this point. So
0: also, there's easy. usually a lot of Yankee fans there. Yeah, yeah and there will trying. be a lot
1: this weekend because the Red Sox are hot garbage. So I'm yeah, sure.
0: exactly. It'll, it'll, be a, it'll be a much louder Yankee presence. Um, well, if nothing else, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, it's incredibly helpful if you rate the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, turn notifications on so you never miss another episode. Hopefully, Cito will be joining us next week rejoining us, I should say. We keep we're having a little bit of a revolving door thing here. We're like someone is off every week, but uh, we'll get all four of us back on. At some point, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at pinstripe Purse. that's at pinstripe p e r s. There's a bit of a voice crack on my behalf there. And without further
2: ado, go yanks.